Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in MD Nation to the program. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at BillyFMDFF Show. And of course, always subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we are going over the Thursday night preview and the early slate window of games for week 11 which is why, of course, Chris Dowhower is also here joining the show today. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, trying to figure out this Thursday game. Got a question marks right off the bat this week. You know, who's going to be the running back in New England backfield and who's going to be the running back in Atlanta's backfield? Well, yeah, we are going to talk about that in just a split second, and uh, we'll get into all the minutiae of what we're looking at with those injuries coming up, and of course, injuries to more of the games for the first 1 o'clock matchups heading into Week 11. But before we do that, Chris, I actually got an announcement that I want to put out there for MD Nation, and we don't have an official launch date yet, but the deal is done, so I want to put this out there pretty soon. We are going to be available to you guys on Amazon Fire TV. And we will have our own Belly Up Sports channel on Roku television as well. It will be the Belly Up Sports Roku channel. You'll be able to download both on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick apps. So you can get more MD Nation, more MD's fantasy football, no matter where you are. And be able to watch us live on your television sets. So more exciting stuff there to bring you more information. But it's not just going to be us, especially on the uh, Belly Up Sports Roku channel. We are going to be televising live Brazilian soccer games, which I will be talking about Chaz Florida. We're going to get together and maybe talk about some bets as a preview for each of those games. So you guys have an idea, maybe put a little skin in the game, make it a little bit more interesting for you and start to learn some of these soccer leagues. If you haven't before, it's going to be the entire Brazilian soccer league. Maybe down the road, we'll talk about some European soccer as well. But for now, we'll be airing at least two to four games a week. That'll also be available on the belly up sports Roku channel and other programming from very good sports shows that will be on there too. So it won't be just us. It'll be a whole network that you can turn to, which will have 24 seven content and a lot of original content you have not seen before along with this show. Now that's going to happen on Roku on the Amazon side of things. will just be an MD's fantasy football show, Amazon fire TV app channel. You'll be able to download on any single Android or 
Fire Stick device that you have, and you'll just be able to download our content directly, watch us live directly. Again, I don't have an official launch date for that, but it's happening very, very soon. So that's why I feel good about talking about it here now with MD Nation. Now we have all that out of the way, Chris, with those big announcements for coming you know, with the show. I'm very excited about that. Let's get into something I'm more excited about because it's playoff race time. This is where we have to make the correct decisions. A lot of people, unfortunately, even though we have the extra regular season game like week 14, are probably in playoff mode now just to make it. So we have to really help out MD Nation to be able to figure out exactly where to go from here. And we will every single step of the way, starting with that Thursday night game, because luckily tonight, besides the show news, we don't have any major news that we have to talk about before getting into these game previews. So, Chris, you mentioned it right off the bat. You talked about, you know, what's going on with the Patriots at backfield. Well, Damian Harris is no longer on the injury report. So what does that mean for you between Harris and Ramondre Stevenson? Yeah, I think it makes it you know, brings a huge question mark to that backfield. You know, you have one of those guys is legit guy. You, you, you know, it's money in the bank, basically, with both these guys likely to be active. And with, you know, Golden hasn't been ruled out. I know he didn't practice. He was limited. Um, still J.J. Taylor on his roster. This could be a, a crazy New England situation where you have no idea who to kind of anticipate playing, um, despite watching Stevenson be you know, borderline dominant last week. Yeah, so I, I believe it's going to be David Harris. I believe he'll be the lead back. My question is going to be more, so do we la- allow Stevenson, after clearly playing well and deserving more playing time, do they actually allow him to be Brandon Bolden? Put Brandon Bolden out of the mix, let him go back to special teams, let Stevenson be that third down back at the very least. He can do more than that. I frankly, typically, I like him a little bit more than Damian Harris long-term myself, but I don't believe for a second that they're going to turn this thing around to Ramondre Stevenson as a lead workhorse back. I do believe it'll be Damian Harris will lead the way in carries. The only question will be, will they let Brandon Bolden finally go by the wayside and finally allow Ramondre Stevenson to take on that role? Because we thought this earlier in the season that might happen. And then Ramondre Stevenson wound up being a healthy and active. I don't believe it's going to happen here. But every time you think you figured out this New England backfield, they do the completely opposite thing that you think they're going to do. So, do you really believe that they'll allow it to be a Harris Stevenson one-two punch? I think that the only guy that I'm trusting with any confidence this week is going to be Damian Harris. And this is the only reason is I think he has a good chance to get a touchdown. How much volume he sees and how much you know involvement, I still definitely think there's question marks all over this backfield. But like you said, you can never really quite figure out what this Patriots backfield is doing. It is a good matchup on paper. Patriots do tend to play down to the competition at times as well, though. So I'm kind of curious to see if they're going to be able to, you know, run this team over in a sense. So for myself, I think that Harris is the only guy you can safely start. I think Stevenson's is a guy you throw in your flex if you need to. Um, I don't necessarily love that there's going to be equal mix between the both of these guys that you can guarantee. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I do think this is a game that the Patriots can run and play defense and win. And when they have the opportunity to do that, they usually take that opportunity. So for me, for right now, I'm actually going to lean towards Harris at RB22 for me. I think he's a a bottom two, a bottom RB2 that I am going to play. 
But I think Ramondre Stevenson is a flex play. He's an RB27 for me heading into the week because I do believe he will take over that Brandon Bolden role, which should mean at least four to five targets in this game. I think he'll get eight to ten carries. I wouldn't be surprised if both these guys got a touchdown. But Stevenson is somebody I think you can consider in the flex with what I anticipate, logically speaking. doesn't always work out that way, but logically speaking, what that breakdown should be tomorrow. Getting off the running backs for a split second, a guy who's been very popular as far as a streaming quarterback this week, not necessarily for me, but for a lot of people out there. I've, I've, a lot of people DM me about this guy, and that's Mac Jones. I have McCuby 18. Not to say this isn't a nice matchup, not to say that he's not playing well, but the problem is this like, goes back to what I said about the running backs. When the Patriots have the opportunity to just run the ball and play defense and win games that way, they typically tend to do so. So, Chris, are you streaming Mac Jones at all? I am not because I'm going to stick to also the premise that I think the Patriots do tend to play down to some other competition. Typically, it's going to be an uglier game, and I can see them easily just trying to, you know, get the victory versus trying to blow this team out. So I don't necessarily love the matchup for him, and I'm probably avoiding Matt Jones. I think that if you have to play him, that's one thing. Um, but I think this is a game that you don't really need him to be heavily involved for them to be victorious in this game. We celebrated it on Monday. Jacoby Myers getting his first career touchdown. How the hell did it take so long? I would kind of wonder if now the lid will come off the end zone and all of a sudden they're scoring every week. No, I'm just kidding. It's probably not going to happen. But I do have him as a wide receiver 33 this week. He's a safe floor ho-hum play. There's two teams on by. There's a plethora of injuries out there. That's why he sneaks his way into my top 36 and half point PPR leagues. I hope you have a better option to go to. But if you just need a guy, you're in a situation, you just need a guy to get you eight to 10 points and just not kill you. He can be that for you. So that's why he's kind of in my top 36 here. But the more interesting topic I want to talk to you about is Hunter Henry. He comes in at tight end 11 for me. So he is a tight end one. He is a top 12 play. Janu Smith expected to be able to play in this game as of right now. Hasn't really mattered as far as Henry getting into the end zone. This is crazy. It's been seven weeks in a row. Does Henry continue his touchdown streak again tomorrow? I mean, I think that if you need to have a tight end, this is the guy to take the flyer on the bet so that he can. I mean, the matchup's great on paper. The one thing you definitely have some concerns about is just the overall lack of involvement for the tight ends in this offense in general. I mean, he's he's living off the touchdowns right now. It's not he's getting any kind of volume. So <clears throat> you're hopeful that he's going to be able to score a touchdown and a great matchup. So I think he's a of all, we kind of talk about these second-tier tight ends. Once you get in the top 10, it's kind of a crapshoot, and you're just looking for a touchdown. So this guy has just as much of a chance to get one as anybody else, particularly in this hot streak. Yeah, I, I got an, there's going to be an interesting one uh, later on. I got a question. Well, I did have a question earlier. I didn't put on the mailbag segment, so I'll mention it here. Somebody was asking me about dropping Hawkinson for Hunter Henry. And all I could think to myself was, please, please don't do that. Please, please don't overreact. I know. I know it was overtime. I know he only had one target, zero catches. But Mike Isecki also goosed people last week, too. Are you going to bench Mike Isecki? No, I don't think you are. These are guys that have been top five, top six tight ends all season long. Henry scoring a touchdown every single week isn't sustainable. Now, against Atlanta, he might get another one. I'm not disputing that part at all. But it's not sustainable. Please don't lose your mind. Keep in mind, this is a guy who's getting two, three targets a week. Like, that's big. That's the Hunter Henry claim to fame right now. He's just finding the way to the end zone. So let's not go crazy with all this, okay? I know people are crazy about Hawkinson right now. Things will get better. Just relax. But I got that question earlier today, and I thought I would just bring it up now. 
Moving things over to the Atlanta side of the ball, let's lead it off with the Cordero Patterson news. Look, this must be the most mild of all mild high ankle sprains. The fact that I laughed out loud to myself, nobody else was around, so it was only to myself, on Monday when they, on the estimated report, they put him as a limited participant in practice. And I was like, yeah, okay. But then Tuesday came and they had a real practice and he was a limited participant in practice. And then Wednesday came and he was a limited participant in practice again. And now he's a game time decision. Look, I don't know if it's a mixture of Atlanta just desperate to have a pass catching playmaker out there. And Cordell Patterson knows that he's never going to have a better year than he's having in his career and just wants to be out there as much as he possibly can. I don't know what it is. But my feeling is telling me Patterson's actually going to play in this game. So now what do you do if Patterson does play in this game? Chris, let me get your take on it first. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm reading the tea leaves the same way you kind of were. We get this report. Basically, he's going to be out for an extended period of time because of the high ankle sprain. And then this guy's out here and you're running around in the backfield, chance to start. I, I My gut initially was this was a little bit of, you know, Gamemanship on Atlanta's part where they just want to kind of make a game plan and, you know, as as the Patriots know or as we know about the Patriots, they like to take away your best player or your best playmaker. So keeping that out, that maybe a guy that has been basically their best player gets some focus off of him. I don't know. Or he's got some incredible medication this guy's using. Um, otherwise, I mean, if he's active and he's starting, I feel like you have to play him. He has been Atlanta's offense. But I also not, I would be very terrified to do so because I don't understand how you can come back this quickly from a high ankle sprain. Yeah, well, that guess what? That makes two of us. I don't get it either. Now, here's the issue. If he's there, do you use him? And he can't, I had to move him down, move him down. I, I did put him at RB23, a low-end RB2. Now, my reasoning is this. I don't know how effective he's going to be running the football or even how many snaps he's necessarily going to play. But it goes back to the idea they are desperate for someone besides Kyle Pitts to be able to catch the football and be able to do it that way. So I think if nothing else, he might wind up with five targets. And when you're talking about half-point PPR leagues, that might be enough with maybe six to eight carries that he does wind up being an RB2. I don't think they're going to push him to play out there if they don't have any intent on using him. I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it's a decoy, a complete decoy situation. So if you have Patterson being how good he has been, maybe you have a better option because you picked up Patterson off the waiver wire, in which case go ahead and pivot to it. But if not, he does come in at RB23 for me. I might try to move him down lower than that, but there aren't a lot of good running back options this week. Yeah, especially dual options like this guy can be. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so outside the Patterson mess, the only thing that you really care about is Kyle Pitts. Another guy who I've been seeing a lot of in a lot of crazy trade drop, ad drop scenarios. Look, he's my tight end seven. I know it hasn't been great, but Chris, did you know he's on pace for 1,400 yards? I didn't realize it was that high, but I know he was definitely on a good yardage pace overall. I know he hasn't been scoring touchdowns, which I guess is what everyone is flipping out about, but between the, the volume and the yardage, Right now, in half-point PPR leagues, he's the tight end five on the year. So stop being frustrated by Kyle Pitts, please. Unless you have a top three guy, you're getting top five production. That's, that's the beauty of Kyle Pitts right now. And here's what we also know. Statistically-wise, probability-wise, he should start finding the end zone at least a little bit more. If he just finds that end zone just a little bit more, 
Then he gets catapulted right into the top three, probably ahead of Darren Waller with the way he's been playing as of late. Chris, you have any concerns about Kyle Pitts moving forward? No, I have slight concerns that maybe he downgraded this week just because I do think the Patriots aren't no fools and are going to try to take away Kyle Pitts. Um, but I do think overall I don't have any worries about Kyle Pitts. And I think that people are overreacting to um, just kind of how fantasy's gone in general this year where there's a lot of guys who are producing week in, week out that you kind of hope to or expect to. But doesn't somebody you just jump off these guys, pick the guy that's talented as Kyle Pitts, a feature part of his offense. Talk about Hawkinson and you know, Henry earlier. I'd much rather have Kyle Pitts than those two guys right now. So, yeah, I'm with you that I don't think we're necessarily any kind of panic situation about this guy. No, not, none none whatsoever. All right, Chris, let's talk about the betting lines. So I was, I was kind of curious to see what Vegas was going to do here, especially coming off of last week between Atlanta and New England and how different their game scripts were. It's minus seven in favor of New England on the road. The over-under set at 47 and a half. I'm betting the under with confidence, by the way. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game at all. I think Atlanta barely scores in this game. And I go back to the Patriots can get out of here by putting up 20 points away in the game. They will. <laughs> That's why I'm going to bet the under on this game. I'm also going to bet the line. I'm going to do a same-game parlay. I'm going to take New England minus seven here. Atlanta's just not good. Without a fully 100% healthy Patterson, I question what they're going to be able to do offensively, especially with how good the Patriots defense is playing as of late. What say you, Chris? So, I feel like logically I agree with you 100%, but I think the way the season's kind of progressed and how I see this game going. Gunshot. I am. (laughs) Um, I, I love the betting of the under. I'm with you on that. I think that's an outstanding play. I think this game is not going to be a very high scoring. And as a result, I don't think the Patriots necessarily are going to cover. I think this game is going to be closer than people expect. Patriots are good, but they're not that good. And Atlanta's bad, but Atlanta has one of those teams that can, or has at least this year, shown up when they're not supposed to, particularly Matt Ryan. Um, so I feel like every game you, I talked about this on the, on the Tuesday show, uh, BFL about you know when he got these got these guys out of Matt Ryan, every game he's supposed to do well, you're going to get squatted on Matt Ryan. But if it's a game you're like playing the scenes, supposed to be good defense, and all of a sudden because of Matt Ryan dropping through fifty out of the air for you, I feel like this is one of those games that Matt Ryan's going to keep him closer than they should be. But who is he dropping three fifty out of the air to in this game? Yeah, That's it my doesn't problem. matter. I mean, I logically nobody. I mean, I mean in theory. <laughs> Yeah, there's nobody you really have to target. But you look at the Patriots' defense, with their secondary has some legitimate concerns and questions outside. Uh, jo- um, not Joseph, um, their slot corner, uh, Jones. Um, but they have they have definitely guys exploitable, such as Jalen Mills, etc. I do think this is a game that it's not going to be like Atlanta's going to drop 40 or anything along the lines. But I do think they're going to be able to move the ball because the Patriots – if they're not aggressive, they can you can move the ball on this defense. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I it's just my it's my take over. I, I, I hear you on the betting football the last two weeks has been a freaking nightmare. Okay, it has. It's been an absolute nightmare. But sometimes at some point something has to make sense. This just makes too sense too much sense for me in in this spot. Next game we got up here. We got the Colts. We got the Buffalo Bills. So it's a tough matchup. Probably one of the tougher matchups Jonathan Taylor's, probably the toughest matchup Jonathan Taylor has faced all season long after a slew of pretty, pretty juicy ones to this point. But I still got him as an RBA. Obviously, you're going to fire him up regardless. 
I think it's just how high is his ceiling. It's still an RB1 for me. I think the more curious question is Michael Pittman. Now, I got him at wide receiver 16, but I'm going to tell you right now, I actually don't feel that great about it. And everybody's touting on Michael Pittman as he's this, you know, and he, right now he's, he's a top 12 wide receiver as far as his fantasy finish to up until this point. But a lot of people are touting Michael Pittman like he's the next up-and-coming superstar, and he is a must-start no matter what. And even in this game, he's going to be great. I question that. Question that for a couple of reasons. One, both times that T.Y. Hilton's actually been able to play the entire game this season, he's gotten the same amount of targets as Michael Pittman. Both times it happened to be five. But the point is more so he had the exact same amount of targets as Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman did not get the feast in those games the way he had been without T.Y. Hilton for four quarters. Then you add on top of the fact he's going to be facing Tredavious White pretty much this entire game because of where he lines up on the field. So I do have a wide receiver, too. I can't imagine you have a better option to bench him with. So the part of him starting, I'm with you on that one. But my point is more so make sure you're lowering your expectations when looking at the rest and filling out the rest of your lineup. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm 100% agree with that. I mean, I think this is a situation if you're starting Pippen, you're just hoping the guy that Frank Reich actually moves him around and winds up in the slot a little bit or just gets him away from Trey Davis White a little bit because this guy is good, but he's not that good yet. And Tredavious White's taken out much better receivers throughout his career and over the last few years than Pittman. So I think this is a game that you definitely, you know, probably don't have a better option. You do want to roll him out, but you're looking at the rest of your lineup, probably looking for some upside somewhere because I wouldn't expect this guy to come out at, you know, be a receiver one this week. The only other thing we would ever talk about fantasy-wise with the Colts would be would be Carson Wentz, and uh, he's not a streamer play against the Buffalo Bills. So we're just going to move on to the Buffalo Bills side of the ball. Josh Allen, my QB one of the week. You're never going to bench him. You'll love the matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they've been, you know, a leaking faucet for, for pretty much all passing games, quarterback, receivers alike. We go back to Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, welcome to 2021. Stephon Diggs finally had his big breakout game this past week. Looked like the Buffalo Bills offense from last year, where it was the entire Stephon Diggs show and nobody else. Now, I think they can get the other guys involved along with Stephon Diggs being a top five receiver, especially in this matchup. So that's more of the interesting conversation that we're about to have. Manuel Sanders. I know Cole Beasley didn't practice today, but let's say for sake of argument, he is active and Dawson Knox. Where are you at on all these guys? Are you playing them in your lineups? Or are you looking for other options? I think the first thing I'm looking at is I'm watching that injuries on um, the injuries list and seeing where Darius Leonard is in the situation. If Leonard's not going to play this week, I think that I try to get as many guys as I possibly can on my Buffalo roster into those lineups because it's going to be it's going to be you know easy pickings um, for that deep versus that defense. When I think if he is going to play or what you kind of think about in theory, you know how they should play. In theory, this should be a kind of defense that's going to give Buffalo a hard time. This is what supposedly has been the defenses that's used to you know slow down Patrick Mahomes. This is a defense that's been slowed down to Josh Allen versus Jacksonville. This is that opportunity to see that zone safety or the top defense that's, you know, have been a bugaboo for this offense in a sense. So if these guys are healthy, I think the more guys are more confident to play is going to be a Dallas Knox, who I think can attack the seams. I think that's when somebody you can utilize versus defense regardless. And I think that Stefan Diggs is a must play. I think that you're excited about what you saw last week. And he loved the matchup because one thing that we've seen this entire season is Colt secondary struggles with any quickness, particularly at the receiver position. And then I think that you look for the other guys depending on the situation. 
If Leonard is not playing, I might go Cole Beasley. If Leonard is playing, then I'd probably go Emmanuel Sanders because I'm going for the upside. Okay. And with Knox, are you playing him no matter what? I think that Knox is a play. I think that we look at the tight end situation. We talked about some of the top guys. I think he's right after those top guys, and I think you're going to play him in your lineup every week that you can possibly get him out there. I agree with that. He's a top five guy. Again, we had a slew of tight ends disappoint last week. It was his first game back. He already played more than 50% of the snaps his first week back, so I expect him to play even more this week, get more of a hold on his old role. One catch, 17 yards. Matt Breida can't score them all. Matt Breida can't score them all. But the other part of that, too, is, is Cole Beasley himself. He's been a little bit banged up. And I said this going into the week, you know, when Dawson Knox comes back in full force, I don't think he's going to just disappear into the ether. He's here to stay, which is going to probably come to cost a bit to Cole Beasley. Now, to your point, though, Darius Leonard did not practice today. And if he cannot go this week, then it's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all for all the pass catchers, essentially, at that point. I would say this. I'd still be a little bit more worried about a Cole Beasley than anybody else because he's got the less chance to score. But I do think one way or another, Emmanuel Sanders is a usable asset. He is my wide receiver 29 heading into this week. I think you can use him as a mid-level wide receiver three. Everything else between with Beasley is going to be circumstantial, and you're going to have to watch that throughout the week. We'll keep you up to date, of course, we always do, on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. The running backs. So I know last week, Devin Singletary, well, Matt Breida, you mentioned Matt Breida, he got involved, but really it was still Devin Singletary and Zach Moss splitting snaps at the top with Zach Moss coming off the concussion injury. Devin Singletary is more effective, but they still both got seven carries. We know that if everything is equal as far as health-wise goes, that Zach Moss tends to outplay Devin Singletary just a little bit. Now, you don't love this matchup anyway for running backs. Are you interested at all? Are they both just RB3s? I have Zach Moss at RB29. I have Devin Singletary at RB38, so he's actually kind of outside my top 36 anyway. Do you feel any differently? Are you looking to play them if you have to in a flex play situation? I mean, if I if Leonard is out, maybe in a desperate situation I play these guys. Otherwise, no, it's a terrible matchup for them, and you haven't seen Buffalo commit to the run or a player, a player recently. I don't necessarily think Matt Breeder goes away. That they're just, I think they could get even more complicated and you get seven carries, you can't really bank on that. Um, so I look at a defense as pretty, pretty solid against the run, a game where I think isn't going to be very high scoring in general. So I would like to avoid these running backs if I can do so. Well, Vegas certainly disagrees with you on the not high scoring game. This over under is set at 50 on the dot. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. So they are expecting some fireworks in this game, and I can't say that's necessarily wrong. I know where you're coming from. I think it comes down to Buffalo's defense. Does Buffalo's defense show up and play and, and get to Carson Wentz, and they get to Carson Wentz like they could, 
they could really frustrate this entire Colts offense. There's, there's no doubt about that. But at the same time, I don't think the Colts secondary can slow down this Bills passing attack, and we might get some garbage time scoring from the Indianapolis Colts themselves. I think that's what Vegas is going for here, and I don't disagree with that kind of mindset. And that might save a day of a Michael Pittman or Jonathan Taylor. The line here is set at minus 7.5 in favor of Buffalo at home. I think this comes down to which Buffalo team you think you're going to get. Are you going to get, you know, anemic, lethargic Jacksonville Jaguar Buffalo Bills? Or are you going to get what we got out of the Jets last week where they were like, we're aggressive. We don't care if we're better than the other team. We're going to stay aggressive through all four quarters. I tend to lean the latter. I tend to think that you are going to stick with what we just saw this past week. It felt like to me, and I was correct in saying so, that the Jacksonville game was kind of a bit of a wake-up call. That hey, hey, you guys can't take these games for granted. You need to kick this thing in the gear. This is your first real test you've had in a couple of weeks with an actual team that has playoff aspirations and you're back at home. Having said all that, I'm going to say no contest either way. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I'm going to go with no contest. I mean, that all sounds wonderful. Then he also recognized they had played an all time worst horrible defense in the Jets last week where this team is giving historical points and yardage up. Um, I don't know if I necessarily loved everything I saw last week. I think that they're back on track. I wouldn't be surprised if the game is kind of an uglier game. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I would lean towards betting the under if I was going to bet anything in that game because I'm, I'm more with you. I don't think they hit 50. I think I'm just saying that's, that's where I think Vegas was going with it. I don't necessarily disagree with the logic of why you get to that 50 over under line, but I think that's going to be an under for me. Well, I'll give Vegas for sure. I'll give Vegas for sure. If they know Darius Hunter's not playing, then I can easily see Buffalo putting up 35 to 40 points in this game themselves. That, that's probably fair. <laughs> let's let's move to a game that definitely won't be a 50 over under. The Baltimore Ravens, the Chicago Bears. I want to start on the Chicago Bears side of things real quick because they had, they had to buy last week. They had all the hoopla in a loss on Monday Night Football to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but everybody congratulating them that they had found their franchise quarterback after one good performance after a slew of games where he looked completely lost out there. Now, look, I don't want this to be taken as I hate Justin Fields because I don't. I'm just saying I am not ready to anoint him a franchise quarterback after one good performance, after several bad performances, when we have two attack Lavoa and other guys that haven't even played a full 16, or I guess you have to go off of 17 games now, a 17 game season in their careers yet as a starter. And yet everybody wants to write him off as a bust. And even though statistically he's actually been solid to very good for 90% of the games that he's played a little mind boggling to me on that front. We'll get back. We'll reel it back into the fantasy standpoint of all this. So the, the more point is this, if Justin Fields can play how he did against the Steelers and run like he did the week before when he went up for hundred yards rushing, can he become a fantasy asset? Does he keep that momentum going coming out of the bye against the Baltimore Ravens this week for you, Chris? No, not until I see it again. Um, I mean, I think I'm with you. There's this one game thing versus a Pittsburgh defense that after watching them get smashed by Detroit Lions offense that has nothing to really play for and physically dominate them, I don't know if Pittsburgh is really that great as a witness test of where they stand as an offense or Justin Fields particularly stands. Um, I think you still see the same struggles. He struggles to make multiple reads. He struggles when he can't use his legs. He struggles when this offense gets kind of stagnant and they don't be not aggressive down the field. Um, I think that one of the things that definitely still stands out to me is this team wants to be a run first team. So I think put all those factors into play. 
I think he's got opportunity to have some kind of floor with his legs, but you want to see that continue. That hasn't been a consistent thing that's been used week in, week out for them yet. And it hasn't been something in the passing game where you've seen them be effective in the passing game week in, week out. So I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, being fantasy playoff time in the sense that's not a guy I'm taking a shot on this week right off the bye, assuming that he's going to just come out there and, you know, play well. No, and even though it's a Baltimore Ravens defense that's been very Jekyll and Hyde this season, they've had a couple of good games, a couple of games where they look like you could do whatever you wanted to them to begin with. I'm with you. He's got to do it one more time. Now, there's an argument to be made that maybe a light switch did go on in that Pittsburgh Steelers game, and we'll see that play out for the rest of the year. But you're still going to have to see it before you actually start to stream this guy. So I'm not streaming him this week. My eye is on it, though, because let's say he, let's say that light switch did flip. Well, now all of a sudden you got a guy who might not be that much different from a, let's say, a Jalen Hurts on your hands, quite frankly, if that flipped it, if that switch did flip. So we'll see exactly what's able to happen on Sunday, but it's a wait and see. We need more data before we can come out on one side or another, which is why we also need more data on whether or not we can trust any of these Bears wide receivers. Now, Allen Robinson was not able to practice today. That's never a good sign coming out of a bye when you're not able to practice the first day dealing with a hamstring injury. So there's a very good chance He's not going to play this week. If he does not, and I have them ranked as if he will not, Darnell Mooney is a top 36 play for me. He's a wide receiver 34. He does have some upside because he does have the big play capability, but you have to figure he will have a higher tick up in his floor with his volume if there is no Allen Robinson. I know we're only talking about 22 pass attempts in a game, but hey, you know what? 11 of those might be going to Darnell Mooney if there's no Allen Robinson out there. So Chris, do you think Darnell Mooney is a flex play for you um for me personally no i mean i think i have to admit though i'm a little bit more of a mooney hater um i just don't see the upside for him necessarily that i understand in theory he has the speed for the upside great I matchup i haven't seen that production actually occur yet uh, i see a lot of games where he's got four catches and he might score a touchdown but it's been 40 yards and you're kind of banking on that touchdown to get any production out of him um i i i have some doubts in this game overall I do think he's an option, though. I mean, I can't strongly say you shouldn't play him because I do think that if, you know, Al Robinson's out, you know, this pretty much is their passing game. I actually trust Cole Clement the most in the passing game this week, which is kind of one of the odd things, but I think he's kind of exerted himself as kind of that guy in Justin Fields' security blanket moving forward. Cole Komet is somebody who is going to move up my board right now. He's not quite at my mid-level tight end two section. I think he will move up once I get the official word. About Allen Robinson, he'll probably move into my top 16-ish area, making him a streaming option there. It's just another name to kind of keep in mind if you're looking for tight ends to stream against the Ravens, who have been pretty bad against tight ends for the most part so far this season and the extra target share that he could see. That's a nice call by you. But look, this is a good matchup on paper. And I do think Darnell Mooney, as a result, if he's getting the extra volume, so there's an extra floor to his ceiling ratio, I do think you can play him as a flex play heading into this matchup because, again, we never know what kind of Ravens defense we're actually going to get. Now, what is very much fantasy relevant for the Bears, though, is David Montgomery. He comes in at RB16 for me. He's a mid-level RB2. You love what you saw before the bye week against the Steelers as far as the usage is concerned. He came out right away. Never seemed like they were 100% sure they were definitively going to play him until like pretty much that Sunday morning when they said, okay, yeah, where he's going to be active. And there was no Cleo Herbert in sight. As good as he's been, there was no Cleo Herbert in sight. They didn't care that David Montgomery was his first game back. He was a workhorse right off the bat. Now he's had the bye week to practice and get his legs back under him a little bit, heading up against Baltimore, which may or may not have a Brandon Williams. But this year, 
it hasn't really mattered as much as it mattered in past years. You can kind of run on this Ravens defense if you really commit to it, and that's what I expect the Bears to do, if nothing else. So how high are you on David Montgomery heading into this week? I'm actually really high on him. I think I'm not even worried so much worried about him running the ball effectively. I'm more excited about the opportunity to catching the ball out of the backfield versus this particularly queen on linebacking core. Um, I think when the Ravens struggled the entire season, especially out of their linebacking guys being able to cover anybody, and I think Montgomery has one of the more safer floors in the passing game. You, do, you talked about him kind of being that feature back for them. I think you're going to see some guys maybe sprinkled a little more than maybe that last game, but you do feel good about the overall usage. And you also like the fact that this team, when they had Khalil Herbert as the back, committed to making sure that running back was getting the ball come hell or high water. So with those things in kind of place in today's NFL, having a running back who's going to get the ball no matter what, you're pretty excited about that. So David Montgomery, to me, is a guy I love my lineup this week, not only just because of the rushing opportunity, but I think more so the passing opportunity he has versus his linebacking crew. Yeah. Look, Khalil Herbert is still a nice high-value handcuff, uh, but that's it. There's no committee here to be said. Let's go to Baltimore where there is a committee. And we just said bye-bye to one of the nursing home running backs. See you later, Le'Veon Bell. He got cut. Now, there was some talk about wanting him to be able to come back and sign back onto the practice squad. They had to wait a couple of weeks for that to be a possibility, but he potentially could go back to the practice squad if he doesn't sign with anybody else. And I don't I don't think he that he would. I don't know why they wanted so badly, but they had other moves. They had guys coming off an injury they had to make. For now, he's gone. So, we kind of figured that as a result of that, that meant Latavius Murray was on his way back. He did practice today, so it does look like he is on his way back. We would expect, or at least I would expect anyway, that Latavius Murray would go back to being the quote-unquote lead back, as much of a lead back as you can be on this Baltimore Ravens staff right now with Devonta Freeman mixing in with him. I would also suspect Tyson Williams to be an active player but a third-string emergency running back not getting work because, I don't know, he's too good compared to the rest of these guys, whatever the reason may be. That's what I anticipate happening. Chris, do you feel any differently? I think there might be a little more 50-50 split initially between Freeman and um, Murray this week. I think ultimately, I think Taysom Williams isn't somebody they're going to forget about. They might, I think they might still spring him on at some point during really? the season. Really? Because they've forgotten about him all season to this point. Well, I... I think that there's a, there's a lot to be about you know running the right plays and running the right things, and that seems to be something he must be struggling with because you know it's come out numerous places about that's being the situation. They're just frustrated with him not knowing what he's supposed to do in, in a sense. Having said that, I do think they all, all kind of know that he's a more talented guy that they have, and I, I wonder if they don't get more cute and more precise with their thing when they have to win games to play, come playoff time when teams aren't really ready for certain guys. That's just my two cents. I don't think he's necessarily going to be somebody I'm like I'm saving for fantasy purposes. No. But I think his better days must still come at some point this season. Um, having said that, I think Freeman and Murray are two guys that I do think can both eat this week. I think both guys have, you know, we've seen this backfield pretty much get a guy or two guys touchdowns week in, week out. I think Lamar should be able to get back on track. And far the Ravens is being totally stupid. I think they're going to recognize that one thing they didn't do versus Dolphins, which they should have did, was actually run the ball. Um, I think for Chicago, they actually go back to that. Chicago is not that old Chicago team, which you're used to being, you know, solid on the run and defense in general. Their defense isn't good. It doesn't tackle well, and it hasn't been good for most of this season. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Look, I think you're still hoping Latavius Murray, in his case, that he's falling into the end zone. Yeah, I, I think hope, it's not going to twist it. 
Yeah, I, I hope you have better options. Murray's my highest ranked running back. He's my RB39, so he's not even a top 36 running back for me heading into the week just because I don't really want any – I don't want to touch the split if I can at all help it. But Lamar Jackson, you're firing him up, playing as a QB3. He's another guy – the only thing I want to address with him real quickly is that he, like a lot of the other top quarterbacks, have been more inconsistent this season than we're used to our top quarterbacks being. Yes, there's been some quite a few weeks of disappointing fantasy performances. There's been other weeks where he's gone Superman and been the Lamar Jackson we all know and love. But if you look at Josh Allen, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at Russell Wilson, you look at Kyler Murray, go down the list. All these top quarterbacks that normally speaking would be pretty consistent in their areas have not been. So it's just one of those years. It's one of those things. I don't have to tell you other than Lamar Jackson is my QB three. Don't overthink it. Start them, play them in your lineups. I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say to that, Chris? No. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. All right. And then Marquise Brown, you're playing him. Now, I will mention this. Lamar Jackson did not practice today with an illness, but it's not COVID-related. So we would suspect that by Sunday he'll be feeling better. And then Marquise Brown, listen with a thigh issue. He's been consistently not practicing on Wednesdays anyway, though. So I'm not really concerned about this unless he misses practice again tomorrow. Then maybe we'll have a different conversation in tomorrow's Thursday night show that we'll be back for on social media at Billy MDFM show around 8:30. But he comes in my wide receiver 10. To your point, Chris, this is not the same Chicago Bears defense, not just against the running game, but against the passing game as well. And apparently it doesn't matter if Bateman's in there, if Watkins is in there, Marquise Brown getting a ton of targets. He's a true receiver one and has been this entire season. I think the only other guy that I can kind of trust this week would be Bateman. I think he has decent floors. You see he's going to continue to be involved. Saying Watkins had could have had a decent return last week. Um, you know, got missed on Lamar's big throw. Um, but it was. I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see the second week of having all three of those guys healthy out there for this team. And I think overall they're facing a much different defense where the Dolphins were able to bring it and blitz and blitz and blitz. Chicago can't do that. So it's going to be a much different game for how this unfolds. Yeah, I don't, I'm not anticipating a, a bunch of zero pressures out of the Chicago defense. So don't worry there, Ravens fans. Yeah, you mentioned Rashad Bateman. He is actually my wide receiver 40. So he's in my conversation when you're talking about wide receiver flex plays this week. Even though he didn't have that big week against the Dolphins, he looked good. The chemistry between him and Lamar Jackson looked good to me. The eye test there looked good. And the usage was not bad in a, on a night where the Baltimore Ravens offense simply never got going. So I kind of like what direction we're headed 
with Rashad Bateman. I think it will be sooner rather than later. We're talking about him as a weekly top 36 play at your wide receiver spot. Now, he's more than 50% owned, but he's still on the lower end of those type guys. There is a chance that he's available to you in your waiver wire, depending on what league you're in. Go check it out, because if he is, he's actually a nice value asset, I think, to go after the rest of the way. And then Mark Andrews, my top three tight end, as he will always be. You plug and play him, and you don't think too hard about that. As far as betting this game goes between the Baltimore Ravens-Chicago Bears, Bear, uh, Ravens, of course, on the road, minus five favorites, over-under set at 45. We are expecting a lower-scoring game here. I'm going to take, and I'm going to call it a lock, the Ravens at minus five because I'm expecting a bounce-back game after getting beat up on by the Miami Dolphins. I expect them to beat up on the Chicago Bears here and take the fight to them. I'm going to take the Ravens minus five in this matchup. I like that bet. Um, I think one of the things, you know, the Ravens defense has been getting killed this entire season and had some horrible plays versus Dolphins. But you take away some of those originally blown fucking coverages. Um, when they bring it and they blitz, they're going to be a problem. And that's something Justin Fields has not been successful at versus is the blitz and seeing kind of, kind of those out of books and pressures. I think they can, you know, give Chicago's offense all kinds of fits and this defense can light it up for them. So I think, yeah, I think it's a good chance the Ravens definitely cover this score, and I would take that bet as well. Yeah, I think they're just going to come out and just have a nice bounce-back game. And another game I want to talk about before we hit the break, the Detroit Lions, the Cleveland Browns. I have to take a deep breath on that one because I don't know about you, Chris, and I talked about this on Monday, but I just wanted that game between the Steelers and Lions to end, and I had fantasy implications on that game. I had players in both those games, so... I should have been rooting for overtime the entire time, and I just wanted to mercifully end to get it off my television because of how brutal that game was. This week's game might be just as brutal. It might be just as brutal. Baker Mayfield needs a week off. All right? He, he, does, he just does. He needs at least a week off. Okay? He's out there with, like, half a body part in, like, every limb, and you could tell by the way he's playing. Nick Chubb still hasn't been activated from... COVID-19 so now all of a sudden we're asking ourselves a question because it's Wednesday and it came and gone and he wasn't activated you have to be on the lookout it's possible that it could be Dearness Johnson again now remember Nick Chubb is vaccinated so all he needs to do is get those two negative tests in a 24-hour period but clearly that has not happened to this point so if you have Dearness Johnson you've been holding Dearness Johnson keep holding him there's a chance you might be using him again this week so you have that going on I don't want to play any of the pass catchers Jarvis Landry does come in at wide receiver 39 for me this week on just because of Detroit Lions and just on a base target floor. But you're talking about a team that whether it's Nick Chubb, whether it's Ernest Johnson, it doesn't matter. They only want to throw the ball 20 times. And I don't think Baker Mayfield could throw the ball more than that anyway. What are you, what are you seeing with this Cleveland Browns team? Is there anything outside of whoever the starting running back is that you're interested in? I actually have a slight interest in people's Jones in this game. Um, I know that he's a, much of a guy that's a kind of an upside player only, has some big plays, but has becoming more and more their go-to guy. Talk about Jarvis Landry, just, you know, he looks like he's a shell of himself right now out there. He can't get in and out of his breaks. He catches the ball for two yards and falls. So right now I think Peoples-Jones is the actual most explosive receiver they have, the guy who they can actually figure a way to kind of get involved, involved a little bit more. And I think he's somebody I would be actually look at versus um, going into the tight end situation. We talked about this every week in, week out about, when you have three different guys who play, you can't drift or play any of those guys because God knows what's going to happen. Uh, 
And then the other receiver positions, it seems like it's a rotation between Schwartz and Higgins, and neither guy has really stepped up or done anything this season for me to kind of warrant even consideration. I don't think I'd be interested in people's Jones from a redraft perspective, but maybe from a DFS perspective is something I might, might take a look at. Uh, if Nick Chubb is active, knowing how this game might go with the Detroit Lions, would you be willing to play Dearness Johnson even with an activated Nick Chubb? Because he's getting activated off of COVID-19 and, you know, most notably Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, both kind of mentioning they were a bit winded during and after those games. Maybe Nick Chubb would be as well. Would you play Dearness Johnson, let's say, as a flex play this week, even if Nick Chubb is activated? If I was in an emergency situation, yes. Otherwise, I would really try to avoid doing so. I think you're assuming that a Cleveland offense is going to score a lot of points, which is a hard assumption to make. I'm just assuming they're going to run the ball, which I think is the only thing we can assume against the Detroit Lions, which usually equates into quite a few fantasy points. It should, um, but it also keeps the clock moving, and Detroit seems to be able to run the ball pretty well too. Are pretty good too, so it's going to be interesting to see if the multiple mouths eat, especially in the running game. I, I, I personally would try to avoid doing so. I think Nick Chubb's the guy that you're going to have. Last time he returned, Dernis Johnson kind of took his role back. I know he scored like a, a fluky touchdown at one point, but for the most yeah. part, that was Nick Chubb's backfield, even in the passing game. So I think that shouldn't be anything different as long as he comes back and you know, his plays and has healthy. I don't disagree. I mean, I have Nick Chubb at RB4. But I do have Dearness Johnson at RB40 with it ranked as being Nick Chubb as the lead guy right now. So I think he's in I think he's in the conversation. If for no other reason, then maybe he gets thrown to a bit in that game because they they're lacking weapons. And honestly, I think it's sad to say, but at this point, I think if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, if you're a fantasy fan of or have any ownership whatsoever of anybody on this team, I think you wish Case Keenum would be the starting quarterback. Again, I think Baker just needs a week to recover. And at this point, with what they want their quarterback to do, I feel like Case Keenum might be actually better suited to do it. And if he did it, then I would really probably be interested in playing Dearness Johnson as top flex play because he'll check the ball down in the passing game as well. Uh, just a quick note on Kareem Hunt. They came out right away and said he's not going to return this game, that he is progressing, but he's not ready to start practicing yet. So he's going to be out this week for sure. I would say it's probably another couple of weeks before we start to see Kareem Hunt be a legitimate threat to be able to open up again and play. And then on the Lions side of the ball, we mentioned Hawkinson a little bit in the beginning of the show with the question, TJ Hawkinson still my tight end six. Okay, I know you got burned, but this is still a guy who is, I believe he's top four in targets right now amongst tight ends. You keep playing him. He is still the best pass catcher. And then, of course, you have DeAndre Swift, who's the RB13. We're waiting to see if Jamal Williams is able to make a return back this game or not. But look, DeAndre Swift, with or without the extra carries, is still a low in RB1, high in RB2, because if he's not involved with getting 30 carries in a the game, then he's going to get 10 targets in a game. So either way, I think you're safe with him, even in what's a not-so-great matchup on paper against Cleveland. Yeah, 100% agree. Okay. Yeah, and unfortunately for Detroit, there's nothing else to go over there. Jared Goff uh, didn't practice today, but is expected to be able to go with an oblique injury later on. I love they were talking about, you know, Dan Campbell saying, oh, we're going to stick with Jared Goff for now, but he needs to step up and make throws. Who are you benching him for? Because it ain't going to be David Blau. So I don't know even why this is even a conversation of who we're, who, yeah, we're going to stick with him for now. Yeah, that's, that's a bluff and a half and just kind of throwing salt in the wound, I think, where does it need to be? To begin with, trying to find. The I couldn't believe he took Anthony Lynn's play calling away from him. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, look, I think it's more to do with Jared Goff and, and not having, you know, legitimate NFL wide receivers than, than anything else. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he just was like, look, I just want to smack DeAndre Swift up the middle of the A gap the entire game because that's pretty much what wound up happening. And that's what he thought that was the best thing they could do to try to win that game. I don't, I don't get that part either uh, whatsoever. The line on this game is minus 11 in favor of Cleveland. The over-under set at 43 and a half. Ooh. I think I want to bet the Lions plus 11. I really do. Because Cleveland, I mean, I don't care. It's the Detroit Lions defense. Cleveland doesn't score. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a game I'm avoiding. I mean, yeah, I, I would say ultimately no contest. But if I was going to bet this, I I do. My eye does re- raise at the idea of Detroit plus 11. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. But I also think it's real easy to see Nick Chubb being healthy and just running for 400 yards in this game, too. Yeah. Um, and that Cleveland defense being able to give Jared Goff all he wants. So I think it's easy, tangible for that to happen. But I also, with you, where watching this Cleveland team play, um, I wouldn't be super excited. I think they're going to beat anybody with double digits right now. Probably true. Probably true. Right, I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got more games to preview and the mailbag segments. Everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media, at BellyUpMDFF Show. And, of course, always available to you after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. Download us anywhere, and then subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're at it as well. I'm your host, Dan Maynard, joined here with Chris Dahauer, going over the Thursday night preview, the early slate window matchup previews for week 11 because the playoff race is on it's not on however it's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love that's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from minky couture with hundreds of different styles and sizes of minky couture blankets you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year shop the best deals of the season at minkycouture.com with the new chevy silverado you might be driving in this But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. 
Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. For the Houston Texans against the Tennessee Titans. There's a lot of lopsided games this week, Chris. I think we're gonna, we're in for another. Uh, thank God we play fantasy football because otherwise, watching wise, eh, might be a little lopsided this week from some of these matchups. But here's what I'm gonna say: Brandon Cooks. We'll wrap this up quickly for Houston. Brandon Cooks, wide receiver, 15. Love the floor against Tennessee, who gives up the most points to wide receivers. Potential for a ceiling. Maybe we get a little bit of juice that we got in the beginning of the year in this matchup coming off the bye. Hopefully. Tyrod Taylor is a little bit better than he was going into the bye week. I tend to think that he will, even though Tennessee Stevens been playing a heck of a lot better. Is there anything on Brandon Cooks? What's the ceiling to floor ratio in your mind heading into this matchup? I mean, I think he's got a good ceiling, and I think he's got a good floor. I mean, the one thing we've seen is one of the few guys who's been in week in and week out involved in the offense as with Brandon Cooks. You saw the touchdowns kind of suffer without Tyrod Taylor. Now that he's back, he's going to be able to kind of have the volume and hopefully the big play potential for the touchdowns. So I think he's an excellent play. I don't really see them be able to do much versus this Tennessee defense otherwise. I mean, I think while it's definitely exploitable, Houston has to lack of weapons and such a poor running game. I don't see anybody else really being involved to be able to move the ball other Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. We know he'll get all the volume. So play Brandon Cooks if you got him. Avoid Houston Texans, the rest of them, if you can. On the flip side, though, you go to Tennessee. And uh, even though this offense has become extremely limited in its playmakers. I feel pretty good fantasy-wise about a number of them. We'll start off with Ryan Tannehill. He is my QB7 heading into this week. You like him against Houston. Of course, he showed you last week. He still has the potential to take those bootlegs into the end zone. So rushing touchdowns are in his repertoire. And I think the most important factor is that his number one wide receiver doesn't have to see Marshawn Lattimore, doesn't have to see a top-notch corner in A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's my wide receiver five. Those two should be able to hook up and Maybe even a nice little DFS stack this week between those two as well. Chris, anything on Tannehill and or AJ Brown getting back up the snuff? I love AJ Brown. Not as big on Tannehill. I kind of wonder how high the ceiling is going to be for him this week. Why? Based on what? I just think this is the game that this Tennessee offense is going to have to score a lot of points. They haven't been while they've been winning lately. They have it's like their offense has been lighting it up in kind of capacity. I think that there'll be very content just kind of having a, you know, keeping the up by, you know, double digits at some point and being able to kind of just hold on to win the game. I don't see Ryan Tannehill being overly aggressive in this game like he needs to be. I think one thing we see with Tennessee kind of do is when they can kind of hide their passing game, they're willing to do so. Yeah, but this is a matchup where their passing game can work really well by being conservative, by not being overly aggressive, which they have not been. And again, I go back to he can rush and get those rushing touchdowns and he has that floor without – Derrick Henry back there, I don't think they have any loyalty to a Foreman or a Peterson getting those scores, so Tannehill will be more active in that area. I think the big thing is as long as he has A.J. Brown, we go back to a few weeks ago when Brown had his last big game, Ryan Tannehill was a top-10 quarterback then, too. So when A.J. Brown can go, I think Ryan Tannehill can go, especially with the rushing floor that he does give you, especially as of late. So we'll disagree on that one. QB7 for me, I'm firing him up and starting him. What about the running backs? Let's see if we agree on this one. I got Donathan Foreman at RB25. I got Adrian Peterson at RB30. Quick note, Jerry McNichols was limited in practice today, but we think he's going to be fine as far as the game is consideration. I don't have him ranked inside the top 36, though. He's not a play for me. So Foreman, AP, where do you have them right now? Where do you think these guys are going to be at as this thing plays out? 
I flip flop him for right now, where I think I know that Foreman has the better yards per carry, and everybody's all excited about that. I think AP looks better to me overall, and I think he's running harder. I think AP's going to have a decent game this week. So I actually flip flop him where I'd have him ranked ahead of Foreman. Um, I'm not as excited about Foreman. I know he's been looking you know, good, quote unquote, compared to everybody else in the backfield. I think he's been what I kind of expected him to be. I don't really see any breaking, breaking any tackles. I think he's basically wins blocked for him. And I don't see him being anything that's going to be special. I think a lot of people are going to jump on this guy because he had, you know, almost 10 point game last week. And I think it's full gold. I am. I have reason I have them ranked ahead. Is I think just right now, based off of last week, based off the usage, not so much the yards, but the usage, it seems as though they're going to give Dot the Foreman the first crack at this. And I think that continues this week. Having said that, pushing forward in the future, this part of the season, I'm more in your line of thinking. Because we know what Foreman is. Foreman's been this big, you know, fast, looks like a tremendous athlete player. But he's always been inefficient. He's always been injury prone. He's not actually a good football player. He's not actually a good running back. That's why he goes from practice squad to practice squad to begin with. Adrian Peterson, I think, you know, because of his age and he's been on the couch and he's getting ready to do a reality TV show. I think needs another week or so before he truly has his legs under him. And I'm not saying he's going to light the world on fire, but I'm with you. I think Peterson's running a bit harder. And I think he, his veteran savvy is something that Mike Vrabel, of all coaches, is going to want to lean on more so as this thing gets closer and closer to the playoffs. So I still think long-term, Adrian Peterson's the back to own. But for this week, I have to anticipate that they're going to still give the first crack to Dante Foreman. I can understand that. I just think that the Texans aren't going to want to tackle Adrian Peterson. That's kind of more like just, I think it's going to be AP has a bigger week. I don't necessarily argue that it could be forming gets the first shot at it. Let's talk about the betting game because this is one that I think people are going to want to look at to bet on because, look, we all expect the Tennessee Titans to win. It's a question of how much. Vegas has this line set at minus 10. The overrunner set at 45. It is in Tennessee. Chris, let's get your bet on this first. Not touching this with a 10-foot pole. Ooh, uh, not touching guys, it. Remember the Jets pole. game? Remember the Jacksonville game? Don't get confused who this Tennessee Titan team is. People keep assuming because they do good against good teams. Yeah, they play great against good teams, and they play like crap versus crap teams. I do not trust them, and I would not touch it. The Titans win, but the Titans win close games, to your point. They don't win blowouts. So I'm with you. If anything, I'm thinking about Houston plus 10, but because it's Houston and how bad they can be, I'm not going to bet on Houston. Houston (laughs) So it's going to be a no contest for me, but I think a lot of people are going to want to bet on that game. And I don't, I would have to take another look at that. Look at Tennessee's history so far this season. It's all close games that they've won. Not one was a single blowout. So try to keep that. It doesn't matter the caliber of the opponent. So just kind of keep that in mind heading into this. The only difference I will say between now and, and earlier on the season, like you said, against Jacksonville, against the Jets, their defense is playing much better now, which maybe could be the deciding factor. But ultimately, still a no bet for uh, me in this one. I, I can't bring myself to do it. Next up, we got the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, a nice AFC North rivalry matchup. Both teams coming off of a nice victory. Here's the thing, fantasy-wise. Rodgers comes in my QB six. I don't. 
How about now? Okay. Yep. All right. We had a little technical difficulties managed with us. So I was talking about Aaron Rodgers. I have my, my QB six, and I don't feel great about it. And the reason I don't feel great about it is because he just has not been fantasy great. Chris, you've mentioned this a few times that they are just a very slow-paced offense, and it's killing the fantasy value of you know pretty much all the Green Bay Packers to what we would expect them to be on a normal basis. And I agree with that. However, Rodgers owns, he doesn't own just the Bears. He owns the entire NFC North, at least from a fantasy perspective anyway. He owns the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I know they get Patrick Peterson back, but this is still a defense you can take advantage of. So he does come in at QB6 for me. He is a must-play quarterback one for me. There aren't too many better options I feel like you can go to this particular week. And I do think this won't be like Seattle last week. I do think Minnesota's offense is good enough to put pressure and make the Packers have to be able to score. I see a 27-24 to score line uh, in this game with the Packers coming out on top. So, Chris, are you going to play Rodgers with confidence in fantasy this week, even though he's been mm, probably outside the top 12 more times than inside of it? Yeah, I don't know how much confidence I'm having that I'm like super excited in a sense, but I think that I'm putting him in there doing have a good floor and probably a good option is I can probably find anywhere else uh, on the waiver wire or through a trade. So I think Aaron Rodgers is the guy he put out there. He loved the matchup versus the Vikings. His secondary is, is definitely poor regardless if you have Patrick Peterson there or not. It doesn't really matter. And I think the key thing for this game is watch, you know, both the, the Green Bay does play at an incredibly slow pace. Uh, the Vikings can score, as you talked about, offensively, and they can kind of force the onus on Green Bay to be able to kind of light it back up on the other side. I want people to realize this Green Bay defense is not that good. Uh, there's two things going on in this, this situation. Number one, this is something that the Saints used to do a couple of years ago to save their defense. If you control the offensive plays and you limit the exposure of your defense to the game, then your defense has good statistics overall because well, it's not on the field. So it's hard to score against it. It's hard to move the ball against it. I think Green Bay's masters are trying to hold on to the ball as long as possible in a sense. That's what they're trying to do is hide this defense. The difference, though, is the Vikings are a bad matchup for this defense. Dalvin Cook can score. He can score from long, from far away on this game. Um, they can definitely attack the linebackers. And I think Thielen Jefferson can definitely attack both these corners. So I think this is a matchup that's poor for Green Bay's defense. And you're going to get exposed a little bit. Therefore, I think Aaron Rodgers kind of on the flip side has to be more aggressive offensively. He should be. You have a definitely good floor, if not a decent opportunity for a ceiling. So Devontae Adams is going to be my wide receiver one. Of course, you play him with confidence, and he is going to be my number one on the week. I think he take he takes advantage of this matchup. So the question comes in: Where's AJ Dillon? Aaron Jones is going to be out. He didn't practice today. We we expect him to be out this week. I think next week is going to be more of a question mark. Do they want to bring him back before the bye or not? But we'll tackle that then. For now, we expect it to be A.J. Dillon. He's my RB6, mid-level RB1 heading into this matchup. He, I mean, if you want to bet on an anytime score, yeah, A.J. Dillon, anytime score in this game for sure, pulling down at least one touchdown. And then when you take away Aaron Jones, yeah, and the fact they have shown they were willing to throw the ball to A.J. Dillon this season at different times, yeah, I mean, I don't know how more excited you could be about having a bona fide RB1 fall into your lap this week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, number six, I think these guys absolutely arguably the top five this week. I, I love A.J. Dillon. I love his matchup. Agreed. On the Minnesota side, Kirk Cousins is a streaming quarterback. 
It's in Minnesota. He actually does typically have decent fantasy performances against the Green Bay Packers more times than not. He comes at a QB 14, so he's in the streaming conversation the way Kirk Cousins normally would be. So I don't think there's anything, you know, we're groundbreaking there or really anything else to go off of. Dalvin Cook's our RB3. To your point, the defense not actually as good as it's been playing like uh, Cook's great against no matter who he plays against. And I feel like we haven't really gotten that big Dalvin Cook game yet. I think that could come in this one. Remember, this system in particular seems to gash Green Bay over the years. So I love Dalvin Cook there. I'm sure you do too. And then Justin Jefferson's my wide receiver 11. Adam Thielen, my wide receiver 12. Anything on the ceiling floor of those guys that you're concerned about, happy about, anything? Maybe Thielen's is a little um, higher than I expected you to have it for his floor, I guess, or maybe it's even higher than the ceiling I kind of expected for him. Um, I you know, Kirk Cousins, you know, while he's definitely somebody you can kind of look in for week and week out, he does struggle at home versus the road, and it's incredible how much different he plays. So that is one thing I think a caveat to kind of throw out there for people to consider. Um, so I had some questions about how much the pass catchers will be dominant. I think Jefferson has a big game. I don't know if him and Thielen both will have good games. But I, I love Dalvin. I think Dalvin's in a smash spot this week. Thielen is one of those guys where you have to rank him as a wide receiver too because if he scores a touchdown, he'll probably be a high-level wide receiver too. If he doesn't score the touchdown, then he's going to be a wide receiver four, a wide receiver five. But you got to play him like he's a wide receiver too. That's just what it boils down to with Adam Thielen. So that's why guys like him become a pain to rank, to become a pain to project because you have to project at least with the idea that they have, what, a 50% chance to score a touchdown that game. So that's ultimately what it boils down to for Adam Thielen. That's why he comes out wide receiver 22. I think you have him. You got to play him, especially in this matchup in a tough NFC North rival matchup. But the last guy that a lot of people are going crazy over, talking about tight ends and trying to find them, Tyler Conklin. He does come in at tight end 15 for me. Yes, that's right, 15. Not going crazy over the two-touchdown performance. I have been talking about him in my waiver wire report pretty much every single week since I think about week four. I think this is finally the week where he's going to get over 50% owned. The reason more so being not because I'm expecting two touchdown performances, but he's gotten six to seven targets pretty consistently. And when you're getting that out of a tight end, you're talking about a guy who's going to have the potential to be in the top 12 any given week, or at least be a solid stream play. And that continues here against the Green Bay Packers. Chris, what's your thoughts and ideas on, on Tyler Conklin? Yeah, I think he's the perfect guy to kind of, you know, somebody was a question earlier from one of the listeners about Henry, Hawkinson. To me, ideally, you want to have, if you have a Hawkinson situation, you want to add somebody to kind of pair with them. I think ideally, you'd have to pair those two guys. In this situation, I think this is a guy that you can pair with a lot of different tight ends, and maybe you're kind of looking at your streaming tight ends, or you're not super happy with what the production you're getting from your guy. As a guy who you can kind of throw in there, and depending on how kind of the streaks are going, ride with it. Um, I have a little bit reserved this week, as I pointed out. I think the passing game in general, I just don't think it's going to quite be there overall. So to beat all those mouths, but I don't think Tyler Conklin is a guy that you shouldn't be in your home and your radar and consider playing because he has been one of the guys who has been consistently targeted this offense. He is one of the few tight ends who gets five, six targets, and we know how like you know, valuable those can be. And he is somebody that you can kind of look in and kind of see, does he continue his streak or is it something more fluky? And I think, therefore, that's a guy you definitely want to have on your roster right now. Betting this game, it's pretty much a pick It's minus two for Green Bay on the road. The over-under set at 49. Chris, you got anything in this game? 
And I think Vegas has got it all in the head. Like, I think it's definitely a pickup. This game could easily go either way. I'm taking Green Bay, and I'm calling it a lock. Why? Minnesota doesn't win at home. They don't, they don't do it. It's true. I'm taking Green Bay, minus two in this game. I think they are the better team. They've been playing really well on both sides of the football lately. I don't think that this continues. No reason that this continues against the Minnesota Vikings, who I think they came off of a big win that they should not have won last week. And again, they're not great at home. So I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers minus two. And I'm going to call it one of my lock bets of the week. Let's keep this thing rolling with the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins. I'll make the Jets. I'll make it all sound all exciting, even though it's not going to be. We're going to see Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco returns. That doesn't wake you up, Chris. No, no Joe Flacco love. No, nothing for me. Oh, it did wake me up a little bit that we're not going to have to see Mike White again. I'll have to listen to, you know, fans do what they do, which is make no sense whatsoever. But so Flacco comes in. What does that do for Michael Carter? Because we know with Mike White, he was at least dumping down the ball enough where even if Michael Carter didn't have a great matchup and wasn't expected to be efficient on the ground, he was going to have that safe floor. Does that continue with Joe Flacco? I think maybe not quite at the same um, percentage, but I think pretty close. Joe Flacco loves to check the ball down. Let's not get it twisted. This guy's been checking the ball down for like most of the second half of his career now. Um, he's always the guy who kind of gets the ball to the running backs. We know that he's not going to run around with it. So I think this is an opportunity for Michael Carter to continue to kind of eat. It won't be the same kind of capacity where I think Mike White just had a propensity for him just giving this guy the ball no matter what situation it was. I think it will be a little bit different than that. But I think you can still bank on getting five to six targets. And look, the big thing was that at least what, you know, Robert Salah tried to make of it was that they're going to go against the Dolphins. It's going to be a heavy blitz team. And they felt like the experience of Joe Flacco gave him the best chance to win. Well, the experience tells you to dump the ball down to your running back when you're getting blitzed like crazy in screen games and whatnot. So I'm with you. Yeah, Mike White was leading the way in the league as far as checkdowns are concerned. But Joe Flacco may not be that far behind. So Michael Carter becomes an RB21 for me against the Miami Dolphins this week. He's still an RB2 because I think he has the nice pass and rush floor ratio. If there's a wide receiver you're going to play on the Jets, have to play, it would be Corey Davis. He's my wide receiver 31 for now. He may come down a few more spots from that. I think the one thing with Flacco, I think you have a little more trust that he can get Davis at least the ball. I will say this, Crowder's an interesting note because when Flacco was back on the Jets beforehand, he did hit Crowder with some consistency there. However, he also didn't have a Corey Davis to be able to turn to. So I am anticipating if you have a Jets wide receiver that you have to play, it's going to be Corey Davis. Not going to feel great about it, but I do think there is a wide receiver three floor there. As far as Dolphins are concerned, I just want to jump over to them real quick. Two is one of my top streamers. He's a QB 13, so that would make him the top streamer you know, for me, that's not inside the top 12. I'm not worried about his broken finger. Uh, he looked like he was able to throw the ball at least efficiently enough against the Baltimore Ravens to have a nice high completion percentage and have 158 yards in the second half. And against the New York Jets, I don't care if you don't have Fuller or don't have Parker. Fuller, by the way, might be on his way back. But as long as you have Waddle and Mike Kosicki, I suspect will not get a goose egg in this game. I think to attack Lavoa is a top 13 quarterback and a top streaming option for me this week. Where are you at on Tua and the pass catchers? I'm a little bit more reluctant on Tua because I did not like what I saw last week versus the Ravens. I saw a guy who definitely looked rusty, missed a lot of throws that he usually makes. And yeah, he had 106 yards. Uh, I think about 75 came on one little floater to Wilson that ran down the sideline for the big play. Uh, for the most part, the offense didn't do anything. 
Tua was able to kind of do more than Jacoby Brissett, and that's just basically, you know, not just terribly suck out there. So I think for me, I look at Tua as a guy that I do like the matchup. I want to know that he's healthy. I want to hear that he's been practicing the whole week before I have that confidence. Now, if he is, then I love it because I do think this is one of the few teams that, you know, you can run the ball against the Jets, but guess what? Dolphins can't run the ball. So they'll throw, and that means Tua should have an opportunity to have a good ceiling. Um, I think he should have the volume. The Jets don't have a pass rush, which is something that definitely benefits this offense team. But I think overall, if two is healthy, and he's shown he's been healthy the whole week, I love it. If he hasn't shown he's been healthy or he's kind of still limited, I have a little bit of concerns that he's not really quite there yet to exploit his defense. He did practice today. Russell Wilson came back rusty. So did Aaron Rodgers. I think that's you just talking up to that. He wasn't even supposed to play in that game. And it was a Thursday night game. So I'm not really too worried about it myself. The fact that he was able to be effective at all in that spot lets me know that, hey, you get a full week of practice in you, knock some of the rust off. I think he'll be A-OK. And Jalen Waddle, my wide receiver 21, Mike Isecki, my tight end nine. I think the question is, do you still feel okay about playing Miles Gaskin? He does come in at my RB19. So yeah, the, the answer is yes, I do, especially against the Jets here, another nice spot. I do think you can play Miles Gaskin as an RB too. What do you think, Chris? 100% agree. He's going to get 15 touches, brothers for the passing year, running game. He's going to get enough volume to be worth it out there. You definitely have to start him despite his inefficiency. Let's keep hoping Malcolm Brown stays out so he can keep getting the volume that he should be getting all along anyway. Betting this game, Dolphins minus three and a half on the road, over under set at 44 and a half. Maybe Vegas knows something we don't, but I'm calling it a lock bet, and I'm taking Miami Dolphins minus three and a half. That defense is for real. That's the big key right now. Brian Flores taking over to play calling, how aggressive they've been, how opportunistic they've been. I think this is going to be a nice win here, continuing on for the Miami Dolphins, and it's going to be more than three and a half points. Yeah, I tend to agree. I also think that people are living off this idea with the Jets sitting for two weeks in a row with the yardage they're able to put offensively. People seem to forget these they were gigantic blowouts when those offenses started kind of clicking, quote-unquote. Um, so I think last week's where we kind of should see moving forward. So this is going to struggle. And you talked about defense coming back. I think this offense defense is going to be able to really bring it and be all over Joe Flacco in this game. Let's move on to the Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles. So the big thing, Saints, Kamara came back to practice today. That's the good news. Came back to practice today. That should put him on the right track for being able to play on Sunday. He comes in at my RB7. Now, the reason why he's my RB7, the reason why he's outside my top five, Philadelphia Eagles have been much better against the run as of late. So I don't expect this to be a super efficient day for Kamara. They're playing a lot more downhill. But because Trevor Simeon is still the starting quarterback, it does boost the Kamara ceiling because I do expect him to be quite involved in the passing game. Now, we do need to see where he's at. The We never got clarification on this. The rumor is that he was dealing with an MCL issue and kind of like a mild one. So kind of like Aaron Jones got the one to two week timeline. That seems to be what kind of Alvin Kamara is working off of. He missed the one game. Seems like he's going to be back on his way back into this this week. So any worries about Alvin Kamara in this matchup in this week at all? No, if he's healthy, I'm I'm loving the matchup, actually. I think he's a top three guy for me this week. I love the worst the Eagles. Okay. And then I got nothing else for the Saints to play. I mean, Trevor Simmons is still the starting quarterback, so we don't worry about Taysom Hill. I don't care about any of the pass catchers. You're, you're taking an absolute crapshoot. I mean, they're all 
you know, boomer bust options, but I don't even call them boomer bust options if there's no boom to it to begin with. So I, I'm out on all of them. I'm out on Adam Troutman, who had a couple bad drops last week. There's just not enough volume to go around. I think it's going to be a very, very low scoring game. So let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles side. Like I said, I think it's going to be a very low scoring game. So how confident can you be in playing Jalen Hurts? I got him in a QB 12 this week. So he is still in my top 12 quarterbacks, still a QB one at the end of the day, but they've been committing to the run. This is good. There's going to be no real reason not to do it here because the saints aren't going to put up a ton of points. So they should be in a neutral game script for the majority of this game. I would imagine. I do tend to think though, that because the saints are so good at stopping the run themselves, Hertz might have to make a few extra plays in this game than he had over the past three weeks, which is why he makes it into my top 12. But where are you at on Jalen Hurts in this matchup? Yeah, I think to the latter point that you're making, I think he's got a pretty solid floor, not decent upside with the running ability. I think because you know, the Saints are so good against running backs and shutting down those running backs, I think you're going to see a lot more of those RPOs we saw in the beginning of the season starting to stay back in Jalen Hurts' hands again this week. And he actually has the yardage and he's the one kind of carrying it. You know, while they're really good run defense versus running backs, they're not so great at keeping guys contained at the quarterback position. So don't get the two confused. I think Jalen Hurts will have a decent game as a result. And then the guys he's throwing it to, and Devonta Smith, I mean, he's been on tear, right? He's been on tear lately. However, I do suspect he'll see quite a bit of Marshawn Lattimore in this game. And I think he'll have a really hard time getting off the line. Now, the Eagles last few weeks have done a better job moving Devonta Smith around. But, I still say more than 50% of the time he's going to see Marshawn Lattimore. I think it's a matchup that he's just not quite ready for, in my opinion. I have him at wide receiver 25, so I still have him at top-end wide receiver 3 play. I'm not telling you to outright bench him, but I'm also saying to you he's not a must-play at that spot. Where are you at in Devonta Smith? Am I wrong? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I'm in the same position, kind of like the Pittman situation where if you have him, you probably want to play him, but I would definitely not love my upside opportunity for him because there's a good chance that he doesn't do anything. And while he's had been in a nice streak the last two games, let's not forget how many games he hasn't been doing anything for this offense. So we don't think all of a sudden it's, it's completely changed and these guys are more chase out there than that situation. So I do have some serious concerns about the matchup for him and do the, you know, the Eagles stay creative enough moving him around because it hasn't necessarily been – something they stayed to doing week to week. They get lazy with it. Yeah, and, and I think a big thing, too, with his volume, as far as what his volume could or could not be, it would be Dallas Goddard. He's trying to get through concussion protocol. Didn't practice today, but if he's able to practice in limited capacity tomorrow on Thursday, then he's a pretty decent shot that he'll be able to clear it. You're hoping he's out there. If he does play, he is my tight end 12. The volume is just too much there as the second pass catcher of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think if you have him, you have to be able to play them. Uh, Dan joined the show late. We talked about Patterson earlier on the show. Patterson's good to go. Would you play him? I do have him inside my top 24. I feel like you have to because you're going to be leaning on that passing volume. Chris, getting back to the Philadelphia Eagles, let's talk about the running backs. I think Miles Sanders is on his way back. I think he's going to play this week. He comes at RB32, but I don't expect Jordan Howard to disappear. In fact, 
I expect, and I talked about this a little bit, I think Miles Sanders is going to be Boston Scott plus. So have his role with maybe a little bit extra to put him ahead of Jordan Howard a bit when it comes to the overall touches. But I think Howard's still going to be somebody who's getting double-digit carries. So for this game, are they plays for you? I have them both as RB3s. Miles Sanders at RB32, Jordan Howard at RB34. And moving forward, what are you looking for out of a Miles Sanders in this running game? They are not plays for me this week because of the matchup. I think it's a horrible matchup for both guys. Um, moving forward, I'm monitoring to see is Miles Sanders actually going to be getting a fair split, a fair amount of splits, or is it going to continue to be kind of a third third running back situation where three running backs are getting kind of utilized different times, different places. Um, we saw this kind of Boston Scott earlier in the season. We saw Gainwell coming, was in, in favor and fell out of favor. So I have concerns that my, it's not just going to be a Howard-Miles Sanders split in the backfield. I think there's still be a lot of ins and outs. And this team just recently committed to running the ball. So I've got to see that also continue to be the case. That has not been something they've been consistently doing this entire season. In fact, their offense, just to work consistent, doesn't go together with this offense in general. So I feel myself, I want to want I want to see is Miles Sanders actually going to be getting the touches I expect him to or the touches I want him to have. I mean, I think that's a fair question, but at this point, being how much better this team has played, I do think they stay committed to the run. I'm not worried about that aspect of First it. Lines. Maybe more versus well, no, they still committed to against the run the last two weeks, too. You gotta give them some credit. They if did the Chargers last week. the worst the worst rush defense in the and, um, in who they played in between, because I'm lo- I'm I'm forgetting who they played in between when they did stick to it there. And it wasn't it wasn't a good run defense on paper. I'm drawing a blank at the moment. But last three weeks in a row. This team has stuck to the run. At this point, I think that has to be the expectation, the anticipation. We got a comment here in from Connor Mang, too, from Twitch. Knox or Freermuth this week. Don't overthink it. Play Dawson Knox. He's a top five tight end. I like Freermuth. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely a viable play. But I like Dawson Knox a heck of a lot more. You're playing him over Pat Freermuth this particular week, if that's your choices. Let's get to the betting of this game. It's at home in Philadelphia, minus two for the Eagles. Over-under set at 42.5, the lowest over-under of the week. Anything you're looking at here, Chris? This is the Titans' Orleans game last week. I mean, it's the same game all over again, I feel like, and I want no part of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't want any part of betting this game. There's too many different ways it could go. The defenses may take over. It's going to be a low scoring. I think it's going to be one of the quickest games of the week. That's for sure. But, yeah, I'm not going to bet this game either. Let's move on to Washington and Carolina. So Antonio Gibson against Tampa Bay looked pretty good. Got his workload, got 24 carries in that game, got two touchdowns. He is my RB20 this week against another tough match against Carolina. However, Chris, I'm going to ask you this question. How many neutral or pro game scripts do you really expect Washington to have between now and week 17? Not a whole lot. That's why I'm kind of worried about Gibson moving forward. That's why I'm trading Gibson high. To me, he is a sell-high candidate. You get the two-touchdown performance, and while he, health-wise, he actually looks pretty okay to me, but let's assume he's not completely over the shin fracture. Sell him while you can, because I'm with you. He's still not involved in the passing game. That chance of that happening this season is gone. And I don't believe Washington will be in neutral or pro game scripts too often this season. Now, they might be in one this week. I'll give them that. They might be in a neutral game script this week. But after this, I don't expect it to happen too often. They lose Chase Young. The defense, while played better against Tampa Bay, still ultimately has been pretty bad on the season. So I would sell high on Antonio Gibson if you could and try to upgrade there. That's my two cents on him. If you have him, though, 
He's an RB20. He's an RB2. You have to play him. Terry McLaurin. Talk about a guy who's been kind of disappointing this year. Comes on wide receiver, te- wide receiver 17 for this week. I really thought he had a chance to be a top 10 wide receiver this year. And I, I had him like that with Fitzpatrick. With Taylor Hanicki, they just they're not pushing the ball down the field enough. He's not a very good quarterback. And it just feels like Terry McLaurin just kind of has the Allen Robinson treatment thing where he's just got to make the best out of everything. He leads the league in contested catches. I mean, he's trying to do everything he possibly can to be relevant on the field. He's still a good receiver. He's still got to play him as a wide receiver too. But those ceiling games, they just don't seem to be in the cards this season. Well, they've been all over the place. I mean, he has a lot of games where he'll score 20, 25 points and then come back back to back like Dutch with only scoring three to four points. So you've had this guy be all over the place for this offense. When they're hitting and they're kind of humming, you know, the offense can evolve him and he become that kind of that receiver one you're looking for. But this team easily falls in kind of the ruts offensively where they don't move the ball for extended periods of time. They don't have a whole lot of playmakers to take attention from this guy. He's been kind of banged up on top of everything. Put all those things together, he's been highly liable to evolve so as a player. He's somebody you still want to have in your lineup. So the guy that I think that if you can get your hands on and try to acquire, I would do so. But you are kind of disappointed so far of how the season's kind of progressed. But I think as in general, that's been most of the receivers. So I think he's not really the exception. I think that's why I think he's a guy you still have value for. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I still have value for him, but it just I wouldn't expect him to hit that ceiling that we've seen uh, in a while. And if you could trade Terry McLaurin based on name value, maybe look into doing so for a guy maybe has a better schedule down the rest of the way. Because uh, remember, we got trade deadlines are coming up. A lot of our questions in the mailbag segment are going to be about trades and stuff like that. Maybe start to look around and say, like, hey, you know what? You know the name of Terry McLaurin? Maybe there's a, a guy out there who's about a similar round value, maybe a better schedule the rest of the way, maybe has a little more upside the rest of the way. You may want to look into those type of options. Still a good receiver. Don't sell them off for nothing. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But just something to kind of keep in mind here. Last note I want to make for Washington, uh, Logan Thomas still not practicing. I don't think he's going to return this week. And then you have Ricky Seals-Jones now dealing with the hip issue. He's listed as day-to-day. If Seals-Jones can go, I will probably move him up into a streaming area, a mid-level tight end to something of that nature. They need another pass catcher besides Terry McLaurin to be able to go to with the ball. So I do think you can play Ricky Seals-Jones as a streaming option if he goes. If not, I'm not going all the way down to the third-string tight end here. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. Anything to say there? No, I don't. I'm not, I don't like this offense at all this week. Yeah, it's not a good matchup against Carolina. It's really not. And then flip it on the other side. Welcome back, Cam Newton. Yeah, you are back, baby. Oof, I've never seen a guy be that excited over a touchdown. That was it was that was impressive stuff. He's happy to be back. He's happy to be back in a league with Carolina too. And from a fantasy standpoint, we should all at least pay attention. He's he's my QB sixteen this week. I'm not big on him this week. This, it's not but I would pick him up. He was on my waiver wire report and it wasn't to stream him this week, right off the bat. He went mate. Maybe he gets a rushing touchdown or two. That's always going to be in the cards for Cam Newton. Yeah, absolutely. You could think about it. Like I said, QB 16, that puts him at the back end of my streaming territory of guys that you're looking at, but it's more so as he gets more involved in the offense, this team is a playoff hopeful team. I do think Cam is going to be somebody who can give you top 12 performances more times than not for between now and week 17. So Cam is somebody I want to own, and I think could be a nice little valuable asset. Where are you at on Cam? 
Yeah, uh, and I also want to point out probably the best weapons he's had in probably a lot of past four yeah. to five years as well. Um, yeah, I think that watching that game last week, and then you talked about excitement for a touchdown, I am not a Carolina Panthers fan by such of the means. And I like Cam Newton, but I'm not a huge Cam fan. But I was ready to go run through a wall when he came into that game last week. <laughs> I mean, that that way that team energy just picked up a whole different notch, how that crowd reacted to him. I think that the Washington, Washington football team is running into a buzzsaw this week. I think Cam's going to come out there. I think he's going to rush for at least one touchdown, if not two. I think he is probably one of the best fits for this offense that they could probably find available to them right now. You think about their success for that team with Sam Darnold running the ball. Now you have a guy that actually can run the ball and is actually more effective with it and has more respect with it as well. Where Sam Darnold's got a lot of his runs because people just, frankly, Sam Darnold, what are we worried about containing him for? Cam's going to get a different kind of attention. As a result, that's going to open up easier throws for RPOs. Um, we saw kind of you know Rodney, uh, Rodney, um, Robbie Anderson actually return to relevance last week, and that's going to continue to be a case moving forward. I think all these playmakers all are beneficial, all benefit with Cam being the quarterback. I'm not going to get twisted where I think Cam's arms are great. And Cam's you know going to be an all-world thrower again. But we talked about this going into the season where we both were kind of more happy, more higher on Cam than a lot of people were. Where I think he's completely done. And I think he can throw the ball to guys who are actually playmakers, the DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. This offense fits him. And I think with that defense on top of it, it's going to be opportunistic and, and probably dominant for that team how it's built. I think Cam Newton could come out and be very successful fantasy-wise and is going to have one of the better floors of fantasy moving forward this season. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be this week. I'm not as confident about it as this week as you are. I think he still needs to be more a little bit more enthralled in the offense. Again, of course, he does have the potential to rush in a touchdown or two. But I think the big thing you're looking at too with Cam is that he stabilizes the other fantasy weapons on this team. DJ Moore, I got him at wide receiver 23 this week, but he's somebody who might creep back up into my mid-level wide receiver two standings on a week-to-week basis because while I don't expect Cam to get him the ball and let him be a wide receiver one like he was earlier on the season, I think he stabilizes his floor. He stabilizes that volume actually being able to be utilized and all DJ Moore needs is for him to hit him. Let's not forget Jacoby Myers last season was very fantasy relevant without scoring touchdowns because Cam would just hit him over and over in the field on the intermediate short range. That's going to be DJ Moore, and DJ Moore is a heck of a lot more talented than Jacoby Myers. I'm not with you on the Robbie Anderson thing. I know he got the touchdown. I know talk, people talked about like, oh, we saw him in the press conference afterwards talking to each other and they're trying to you know figure out is there a rapport there. I think Robbie, the people just want Robbie Anderson to come back uh, to relevancy. Cam's not throwing that deep ball. And for me, unless the route tree of Robbie Anderson within this offense this year drastically changes now that Cam's the quarterback, maybe it will. But that's what it would take for me to get back on Robbie Anderson. Otherwise, I'm not worried about Robbie Anderson becoming a fantasy player that you actually want to play in your season-long lineups on a week-in, week-out, especially now that we're in the playoff part of the season. Again, unless something drastic happens with the play calling and his route tree. I do like a CMC. It's going to be checked down galore to CMC. He's going to, you know, he's going to be great no matter what. But this could could make the argument the offense becomes a little bit more efficient now with Cam, and therefore that opens up the floor or the ceiling to go back up. And I actually have him as an RB1 this week overall, right back to it. And I expect the snap count to go up. 
And I expect his efficiency to be able to rise and the scoring opportunities to be able to rise with Cam Newton back in this game. So I think all good things ultimately with Cam rejoining the Carolina Panthers this week. And I don't really care about the whole uh, Ron Rivera says I got defensive plays against Cam Newton. So what? Again, like I said, this week, I'm not so big on Cam, but I don't think it's going to stop the offense from being able to move from the other pieces that you're trying to key in on. As far as betting this game, Chris, you think it's going to be a buzzsaw, so I'm curious to see what you say here. The Carolina Panthers are favored minus three at home. The over-under set at 43 this week. Where are you at? I'm all about that, Carolina. I'm taking that bet all day, every day. Yeah, I'm going to say no contest. I'm actually not going to take the bet. Uh, in in this one, I do not feel as confident uh, as you do. Although I do want to say you make a good point when it comes to the energy. They're def- that is real. That is alive in Carolina with Cam back. Uh, last game that we're going to talk about tonight, the San Francisco 49ers, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in a QB 17 for me. So he's just outside that QB2 mid-level sh- streaming territory. Although I have to say last three weeks, He's been pretty good, and you do like the matchup. So I, I do think you could do worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. The problem for me is this. If the 49ers can just go ahead and, and run the football and smash it down Jacksonville's throat, they will. And while last week Jimmy didn't throw the ball 20 times and was able to put up okay fantasy numbers, I don't know if they're going to jump out to the crazy lead the way that game went on Monday Night Football against the Rams, even though it's Jacksonville. So there's just there's a lower floor there. He doesn't necessarily run too often. I know he had the big game a couple weeks ago where he rushed in a couple of touchdowns. That's not normally in Jimmy Garoppolo's repertoire. And I don't think this is a game where he's going to be overly aggressive with it either. I will say, though, Debo Samuel's nice smash spot. He looked pretty healthy to me. I know that he's dealing with a shin bruise, but I'm not really worried about that coming Sunday. He's wide receiver three for me overall. You love George Kittle. He's getting He finally had back-to-back touchdowns, Chris. It's amazing. It's never happened in his career before. Finally had back-to-back touchdowns. He comes in a tight end, too. And then I love Brian Ayuk at wide receiver 32. Uh, is he still a flex play for me? It's a nice matchup here. And he's at least still playing the usage-wise as a starting wide receiver. So I'm I'm okay with Ayuk being a flex play. Anything about Jimmy Garoppolo or the pass catchers that you have? I mean, I agree with most of that. I'm just not playing Ayuk, but the rest of the things that I think Jimmy's a a possible starter if you need to stream him. I don't love the matchup. I do think the offense is going to have to throw the ball a whole lot. So I, I like, you know, the, the go-to receivers in the sense of Debo and Kittle. But I, I like the running back situation a lot more, mostly in this game. Speaking of the running back situation, so if Elijah Mitchell plays, he's RB18 for me. Of course, I like him a lot in this game. But don't get misled by Shanahan and the San Francisco media. First of all, they've misled us so much this season, especially with the whole Ayuk situation. But he was also he was the one who said, I'm pretty hopeful he's going to practice on Wednesday. You know, the day after he has the finger fracture surgery. Shocker, he did not practice today. I do think his status for Sunday is up in the air. Now, we have seen guys come back from these finger fracture injuries, have surgery, and then be able to still play that Sunday. That has happened. But I think it's just more difficult for a running back who constantly has his hands on the ball for that to definitively happen. So I think it's a situation you have to watch. I think you have to have a pivot op- option available to you off Elijah Mitchell and just hold your ears and hum anytime Kyle Shanahan opens his mouth when he talks about Elijah Mitchell. Where are you at in this whole running back situation? And if Mitchell is out, how high are you on Jeff Wilson? 
Um, I'm, I love Mitchell if he's active and he's playing. I think there's a good chance he does play. I think what you're going to see anything limited as a result of the finger would probably be the involvement in the passing game. I could see them kind of limiting that as an aspect and not kind of maybe utilizing he's not Jeff involved in the passing before. game anyway. He has been the last couple of weeks to actually throw in the ball a couple of times, especially the week before we actually got it for, for uh, targets, which is like a miracle for him. Um, but I, yeah, I do think that he's going to be somebody that you know should be your must play if he's healthy. If he's not, I'm big on Jeff Wilson Jr. I think that he's the guy who kind of obviously fits in next. They seem to hate Trey Sermon for some reason. He's, he's kind of still banged up. I'm not sure if he's actually going to be healthy enough to play. And then you add the fact that this is a team that Jacksonville can't score a whole lot of points. I do think they're going to be able to try to utilize their running team more often than not. And throw the running backs as well. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. can do all those things. So I think he's also must play if you know, I think any reason Mitchell was not to play. On the Jacksonville side of the ball, James Robinson did not practice today. It's a it's a new knee issue, but the the inside information is saying that it was more precautionary than anything. We'll keep our eye on it because it is a new issue and it's a knee issue. But right now, my expectation is that you will have James Robinson. If not, then you'll probably have Carlos High taking all the carries. Uh, Robinson, my RB14, heading into this week. Dan Arnold is the guy. He's my tight end 14 streaming option. The volume's just there. Plain and simple. You get a tight end with that kind of volume, they're hard to ignore. Plain and simple. Uh, do you have any confidence playing Arnold this week? Yeah, I think that when you talk about the tight end situation of guys that you kind of want to consider, I think he has to be definitely one of those streaming options for you. I mean, I think he's not – has as good a floor, if not an equal floor, a Tyler Conklin. So I think this is a guy that you can fire up there if you need to and put him in your lineup. Now, the pass catchers. Marvin Jones, my wide receiver, 37. So I have him outside my top 36. Not really a play for me. Jamal Agnew, I have a bit lower than that, although he's been at least more involved in different ways in the offense. I don't want to touch Trevor Lawrence. I don't want to touch these pass catchers heading into this game, frankly, at all. Because even with Jamal Agnew, it, it all came off that one run. He had five targets and zero receptions off of that last week, too. Just not looking good. Now, there is a part of me that thinks the San Francisco defense might slump in this game after having that big, you know, victorious, big performance on Monday Night Football against a divisional rival. So there is that aspect of it where I think maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars come out and do a little bit better than expected. But other than having James Robinson and having to stream Dan Arnold, I don't really want to touch another Jacksonville Jaguar. What about you, Chris? I might take the chance in Agnew, particularly in PPR leagues, but other than that, I'm not touching other guys. Marvin Jones on paper has a good matchup. It doesn't necessarily matter this year. Marvin Jones just is kind of used when they decide to use Marvin Jones. There's no rhyme or reason. No, there is no rhyme or reason. It's frustrating as hell, and I'm tired of Urban Meyer putting in Trevor Lawrence in these <laughs> impossible situations because uh, it's getting really nasty to watch. This betting line here, we got San Francisco on the road heading to Jacksonville. They are favored at minus six. The over-under set at 45. You bet anything here? I want to bet the the 49ers over the six, but I think that you kind of made the argument and stands out to my mind that this is a team also likes to play down their competition, and I could see the 49ers kind of putting a stinker out there and just covering. So, yeah, I don't want to touch this game. I think it's, Vegas has got a pretty good line right there. My initial instinct that San Francisco's on the road and playing well, they, they should win and they should cover – 
I like I said, I'm a little bit worried about the emotional aspect of this game being a bit of emotional letdown after a big emotional win on Monday night against the Rams. Having said that, though, there is a part of me that feels like the 49ers did finally, one, they were healthy, but two, finally seemed like they figured out what exactly their identity needs to be offensively in that game against the Rams as well. So I'm going to bet this game. I'm going to take San Francisco. I'm going to take a minus six because of all those other factors. I think that ultimately will win out the day against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just aren't a very good team right now anyway. Hey, guys, guess what time it is. The mail's here. Remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit us up on social media at Show. DM us. I'll answer every single question that we get to make sure we're helping you guys out there in MD Nation. But I will take a few of my favorites and put you guys on the show and discuss them live for everyone to see. So first up, we got Kingsley, Pat Freermuth, and Alva Kamara for David Montgomery and Tyreek Hill. He's asking about a trade. Chris, where are you at on this? Yeah, I look hard in this trade, and I don't love it. I think it's kind of an even trade swap. But if that's something you want to do, I think it's a good move. I mean, you get Montgomery's a good player. Tyreek Hill's a true number one receiver this year. So I'd make that I'd make that deal. I think I'm pulling the trigger on this. Montgomery has a really nice schedule the rest of the way. And Kamara doesn't. Now, not that you really care too much about schedule when it comes to Alvin Kamara. I don't want to make too big of a deal about that. But Montgomery's with a nice schedule. And then you're getting Tyreek Hill, who is a true wide receiver one. And the argument can be made that the Chiefs have turned, possibly have found a way to turn a corner after that game against the Raiders. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do that deal. My my impression would be that if you're trading away Pat Freermuth, it's probably because you have another option at tight end. Uh, I would pull the trigger on this. You're still getting a, a high quality running back with a true wide receiver one. So I think I would do this deal. But I'm with you. It's close and it's even and it's fair either way. Next up, Drew. Mooney or Bateman this week? I have Darnell Mooney ranked ahead. I have him ranked at 34, Bateman at 40. There's just a a higher floor for Mooney this particular week, especially with the probability that Allen Robinson's going to miss with the extra target share. So I would probably lean Darnell Mooney, Drew. I go with Bateman. Um, I talked about my bias. That's partly of it, but the other part of it is I like the team that's a better offense, and that's the Ravens. So I'm going with Bateman. Ted, he asked Chase Edmonds and Kyle Pitts. For Clyde Edwards Alaire. Ted, no, 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 no. Listen, Clyde Edwards Alaire comes back. Maybe, and it's kind of, I think it's the Miles Sanders situation. He comes back, he'll be the lead back, but he has somebody there who's not going away. Darrell Williams is not going away. He's not going to disappear into the ether. He's not going to just be a handcuff. He's not just going to be a backup. He's going to have a role, both, and I think he's going to have a role both in the passing game and in the running game. I think this might be a, 55-45 at worst, 60-40 split between the two. I'm not giving Kyle, up Kyle Pitts who's a top five tight end and Chase Edmonds, who's just as good of an option when he comes back by week 13. Yeah, I'm not as worried about the Daryl Williams usage, but I am concerned that I think Edward Solaire's upside is limited just because the Chiefs offense doesn't really feature the running backs enough to consistently bank on them. We saw Edmonds be productive. He's kind of firing his stride before he got injured. And Kyle Pitts is, when we talked about, one of the best tight ends you could own outside the top two, two guys. So I think I'd make that I'd make that trade. Uh, sorry, I would make that trade if you're offering it for him. Um, I wouldn't want Edwards Lair for giving up two guys. I think they're too valuable in my lineup. Last but not least for tonight, David asks, trade Justin Jefferson for DeAndre Swift. 
Yeah, and he said he was, he's he's offering Jefferson for Swift. Yes, I would do that deal. Why? Because Swift is a low-end RB1. It's harder to replace, especially this season with the way the injuries have been, it is harder to replace RB1 value than wide receiver one value. So if you can get an RB1 for wide receiver one, in most cases, I'd say pull the trigger. In this case, this is one of those cases where I say, yeah, pull the trigger. Yeah, and also in this situation, you got a guy who's been very consistent in Swift versus a guy who's not been very consistent in Jefferson and taking a consistent guy in the RB1. Absolutely. Okay, that's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. We enjoyed having you here. We'll be back tomorrow night at 8.30 with the Thursday Night Gamecast and late slate of matchup previews for Week 11. Make sure you're following us along on social media for those player news notifications and subscribe to our YouTube channel and always check us out after the episode on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you pretty much everywhere that you like to go. I'm Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dahauer. We'll see you guys again soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.